Now, some of you are doing midterms. I learned very early on in college, my freshman year, that if you don't study well, your midterms will usually manhandle you pretty well. Or, sorry, you know, woman handle you if you're very physically gifted, a very physically gifted woman. Um, speaking of manhandling, I have some pictures for you really quick. Um, so this cabin, there's a cabin, yeah. Those cabins, every year we have... Uh, a leadership training class for people who want to become small group leaders. And every year we do a retreat here in Rio Doso. And what was really funny was one night uh, during the leadership training class retreat last year, you can stay on that picture right there. That'll be perfect. Um, the guys decided we're all going to just leave the cabin and go have a good time. We're going to love one another, like talk, just like share our lives, maybe pray together, you know, do godly things. And you know what happened? We came back, and the most ungodly thing had happened to us. We're over here having a good time, and for no apparent reason, the girls pranked us. We don't even need to get into what they did. We all walked into these cabins, not there, right there to the right of that door. There's like a foyer area, a lobby, whatever. And all of the guys start like jumping up and down in anger, start grunting and making noises. Everyone's trying to figure out how, what are we going to do in retaliation. One guy yells, let's pee on them. I thought, well, the, the enthusiasm is good. That's probably not, not right now. Um, not ever. But we decided, you know, um, like we're pretty big. Like a lot of us for the most part are pretty strong. A lot of us for the most part could, could like take all the girls that were in there. So we said, you know what? We're going to shove them all in that bathroom and lock it for an hour as punishment, as retaliation for doing what they did to us. And so I guess the girls must have somehow heard, I guess that we weren't being quiet, so they barricaded that door to the right with a bunch of bunk beds, and we decided it's okay, we're just going to break the door down anyway. So we distracted them, and then we barged in, broke the door down. All of a sudden, girls are screaming, running everywhere. Some are frozen stiff out of fear. Others are hiding under bunk beds. Others um, are getting dragged across the floor. And my, my favorite one was one girl was getting dragged from essentially this vantage point to that door over there. And as she's getting drugged, it's like in the movies. She reaches out her hand. She sees her friend hiding for safety under these bunk beds, she reaches her hand out and yells for help. And this brave friend holds her hand out and mouths the words, I'm sorry, I love you. I love you. Oh, and that's the other thing. There were some girls that were elbowing. They were throwing elbows. And so it was dangerous. Um, but it was a good time. Now, uh, one girl also yelled, we're girls, you can't do that to us, which means we immediately had to stop. Um, got that card pulled, so we, we had to stop. It's okay. Someone didn't think it was right. It's like a one thing, but for those of you who know the Enneagram, but either way, in the heat of the moment, we guys decided that this prank was appropriate because we had the strength, we had the numbers, we had the size, the ability, or the power, as it were, um, uh, to pull it off. So, but that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We had the power to pull this off, the ability to do it if we wanted to. We're going to talk about what power really is and the damage it does if we don't actually understand it. So in doing that, we're also going to start a new series on the book of Romans. Uh, why the book of Romans? Because for all of you Christians in the room, you should absolutely know the book of Romans is one of the most complex books in the Bible. But the reality is that it's a complex book that God uses to get one simple theme across. 
which is how God, through Jesus, made the gospel possible. Romans is about two groups of Christians in Rome uh, with uncommon ideas about the common gospel, and Paul, writing this letter, is trying to unify this disunified church. Make sense? Rome is very much like the United States today. It was the power capital of the world, which we are for now, and it's a, it was home to a diversity of beliefs. Everyone then, just like everyone now, thinks that their truth is truth, or that their view of truth is just as valid as another person's view of truth. Some think the gospel calls us to do something. Others think the gospel calls us to do nothing. There's disunity all over the world regarding the gospel, whether it's the gospel as a whole or its components that make up the beautiful whole. So, the purpose of Romans is to establish unity of gospel thought despite a diversity of personal beliefs. And tonight, like I mentioned, the gospel component we're going to look at is power. Why does this, why for the next 20 minutes should you even care about this topic? Because we live in a country that actually champions and urges us to love power, power to the people. We have freedom, we have power to do what we want. Uh, No one wants to feel powerless. We all want to have a sense of power. No one wants to feel like they're in a place where you have no control over your situation and surroundings. But if we have a wrong view of power, we will actually live a life of weakness and chaos. So my question is, and our question is, is that you? And you don't even know it. What we might think is strong and mighty and powerful and liberating might actually be weak, little, and entrapping. Um, So, and I'll prove it to you. So to help with that, I'm going to invite Adi, otherwise known as Ariana, to come up and read our scripture. I didn't know those were... I didn't know those were both the same person until about a week ago. So some girl named Adiana had been working out with us at XA Fit for a month, and I didn't know. But she does insanity with us. So here we go. We're going to be looking at Romans chapter 1, verse 15 through 16. Oh, read that one. Okay. It's in the microphone. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, and then also for the Greek. Nice. Thank you. Thank you, Ariana. Adi. So, Paul is doing something here that's easy to miss. So what we're going to start doing, I didn't write this down, this is important to understand. We're, when, what we're going to do is we go through Romans. This is called expositional preaching. It's important to have your Bible on you because we're going to reference the scripture we're looking at quite often to better understand what it's saying, why it's saying it, and what that means for us. So, Paul's saying something here that's pretty easy to miss if we don't pay attention. He starts off by saying, I'm eager, I'm ready, I'm willing to preach the gospel to you in Rome. But if he has to convince them how willing he is, it must be because few others actually are. Why? Well, Paul uses the next sentence to elaborate further and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Paul had to say that he wasn't ashamed or offended by the gospel because Roman, in Roman culture, uh, the gospel was offensive and it was shameful. 
which sounds very much like our modern Western society. The gospel isn't very accepted now. So the Roman culture had an idea of what power was, and the gospel was not it. The gospel was not an example of it. Instead, in the eyes of Roman culture, in the eyes of Western modern civilization today, the gospel and Jesus were weak. And in a power-centered empire like ours and theirs, weakness was a shameful thing. But Paul wanted the Romans to know that he was not ashamed of what culture thinks is weak because it doesn't mean it actually is. So, Paul knows three things about power, three not two, that we don't, but we need to. One, he knows the popular belief about power. He knows the hidden secret of power. And he knows the greatest use of power. So we'll pray and look at these things. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for fun and laughter and joy and friends. May we never forget love and laughter for the sake of intentionality. May we never forget intentionality for the sake of love. Jesus, be here. Open our hearts to you and how you bring abundant life into into our lives. We love you so much. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I do this often. It's quite a big waste of time, but I was scrolling through my TED, my TED Talks app the other day, just looking for something interesting to listen to, and I came across a title I couldn't fathom someone would actually even want to listen to. The title was, A Free World Needs Political Cartoons. In essence, what this TED Talk was about was this editorial cartoonist, someone who draws cartoons in newspapers. Um, he claims that we must, we must skewer people. We must puncture their ideas. Essentially, find a balloon that someone likes, a person someone likes, an idea someone likes, and you need to puncture a hole in it. Say something messed up about it. Find what's wrong with it and lift it up for everyone to see. For the most part, that's what political cartoons are, no matter what side of the, the political spectrum they're on. They are an attack on someone or something. And he seems to believe that if people as the title would mention, if people are not poking at or hurling hurtful words at someone or something, then there must be a decline in freedom. If someone's not dishonoring someone else, there must be a decline in freedom. So, what's he saying? And maybe you caught it, but he's saying that freedom, the freedom we have here in America, has given him and others the power, what he sees as power, to attack others through cartoons. What does that mean? Our Western society values freedom very, very much. Why? Because it unshackles and gives us power or ability to do and accomplish whatever we want. We value power. A lack of freedom means a limit on power. Allow me to explain. We like knowing that we can do something if we want to. I know we all do. This guy, his name is Mr. Chappé, likes knowing He can damage others through his cartoons if he wants to, and so he does. Here at NMSU, students like freedom. They like the ability, the power to drink whenever they want, however much they want, whenever they want. No one wants to be told they cannot or should not do something. Everyone wants freedom or power to do whatever they want. I'll give you an example. The other night at the Aggies game, rest in peace, um... There was, I was talking to a friend, and mid-conversation, I, I, we all heard something. We looked to our right, 
And there was this 19-year-old boy laying on the floor, blackout drunk, covered in vomit, laying in vomit. Now, do you know why he did that? I'll tell you. Because he simply wanted to. He had the ability to get this blackout, ridiculous drunk, and he and everyone around him, this wasn't the actual picture, it would have been a, really a, insensitive for me to take a picture of him, but he exercised what he and all his buddies probably thought was power by actually doing it, just because they could. Now let me ask you a question. Does an image like that look like someone powerful to you? I don't think so at all. That looks like someone who's actually pretty weak. When a friend tells a friend, hey, you, sh you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't act like that, or maybe you shouldn't, that's not, good. that's not a good idea to talk like that or do this, but the friend says, oh, maybe, maybe if I want to, I will, probably not. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to make me? Does that sound like a powerful adult or a weak little brat? We like to say things like, I can say whatever I want. I can do whatever I want with whoever I want, and no one is going to restrict me. I'm going to be alone because I can, even if community is good for me. I'm going to say something to make someone feel small and dumb just because I feel like it, even if I shouldn't. Feeling like we can do or say whatever we want gives us this feeling of control that we like. Essentially, we view power as having this urge and satisfying it just because we can. We get angry, so we yell. We get insecure, so we cut someone else down to feel better about ourselves. We get lonely, so we date whatever walks. <laughs> we feel bored, so we get drunk. Just because we have the ability to satisfy it, we do. We all know this feeling. You all know this feeling. The feeling of what you want, the urge to do it, and doing it just because you can. But you see, this is the popular belief about power. Having the ability to do something and doing it. The Romans felt very much the same way because they were the greatest military power. And because of that, there was no place they couldn't conquer, no territory they couldn't defend. Rome was proud of their power, and so were the Roman citizens. Power and freedom was for the elite, the Romans. This is why Paul very well might have been ashamed of the gospel because Jesus wasn't an elite. He actually died as a homeless man. He died alone, and he died a murderer's death. But Paul's message was that the Romans, these very powerful people, needed this very lonely man. Rome had the governmental power to do whatever they want. Jesus was put on a cross that he supposedly couldn't come down from. Do you see the contrast and why there's an issue here? Power was seen as the ability to do something in doing it. And on the cross, Jesus seemingly had no power. And Rome, in their day and age, had all the power. So why would a powerful nation and a powerful people such as yourselves, with the freedom you have, need a weak, dead, old, deadly, now alive, king's help? The popular belief about power meant that Paul's message would be extremely unpopular. According to our culture and Roman culture, Paul should be ashamed. You should be ashamed of the gospel. None of you should care about Jesus. It's shameful. He's weak. It's, it's like irrational. It's all just no logic, all this stuff. But Paul says he isn't, and he's this great intellectual mind. Why isn't he ashamed? Because Paul knows something the Romans and we don't. What is it? It's not this popular belief about power, 
It's actually the secret hidden, or the hidden secret of power. So about a week ago, the whole staff, about 11 of us, we had what's called a family day, where we just spend time together because we love one another. And it was my day to pick the movie. I decided it was my day to pick the movie. And I picked World War Z, and it was amazing. Everyone enjoyed it. Even if they wanted to say they didn't, I know they did. Shannon had a great time. Sarah had a great time. I think Jimena fell asleep. Um, Joseph fell asleep. Justin had to look away a few times, but everyone loved it. And we all thought about, um, I know that we've all thought at some point, I hope you have, if you haven't, you're not very prepared. But I know we've probably all thought at some point about which zombies we're most likely to survive against. And we all know it's not the Walking Dead zombies. I don't understand how anyone dies in that show. It's like you have to try. They walk so slow. I'm <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand. They're really good with this camera angle because that zombie's walking real slow. I don't know how they couldn't get away. But, no, no, no. It's the World War Z zombies that we'd probably have no chance against. But when I was in small group years ago, um, for an hour before the lesson would start, the whole small group, we would talk and plan. Like, if right then and there, the world erupted into zombie chaos, what, w- what would we do? What, what would be our plan right now? I didn't have a family then, so this plan was easier. Um, I did have a family. I had parents. But, um, and so we were like, okay, where do we get food? The nearest place, sadly, just so happened to be that Toucan's Market across from Garcia. So, you know, we, just, we realized we're going to be fighting off crazy people because normal people go to Target. So I don't know. But, <laughs> but anyways, I love this movie so much because the entire time they give these hints for how to beat, like, beat the virus. But not enough to really connect until the end unless you're one of those people that likes to say what you think it is out loud and then you ruin it for everyone else. But, however, at the beginning, the doctor, which I don't have a picture of him because he died right away anyway, um, not a spoiler, (laughs) he tries to describe how viruses are beat. And he he looks at Brad Pitt with his locks and he says, sometimes the thing you thought was the most brutal aspect of the virus turns out to be the ching in its armor. Mother Nature is a serial killer, but she loves disguising her weaknesses as strengths. The truth of this movie, whether they intended it to or not, is that people will often disguise their weaknesses as strengths. The devil likes to disguise his kingdom's weaknesses as strengths. What do I mean by that? The Romans believe, like us today, that real power comes from the ability to do and say whatever you want, whenever you want, and that it's weak to be restricted in any way. But really, it's weakness that our culture, it's a weakness that our culture has disguised as a strength. This is what Paul knows that the Romans don't. Real power is not about having the ability to do something, but having the ability and choosing not to. To put it another way, real power comes from self-control, not self-indulgence. It comes from self-denial, not self-assertion. It's powerful when someone can do something but chooses not to. It's weak when someone feels something and acts on it just because they can't. Power is found in self-control, the ability to do something and choosing not to. Weakness is found in a lack of control, lack of control, like a 19-year-old blacked out in his own vomit. Like we said earlier, when you do whatever you feel and say whatever you want, You overeat, and you have health problems. You understudy, and you drop out. You build up rage, and you destroy friendships. Our culture says freedom to do anything and say anything is real power. 
but it has no idea that it's trying to disguise a weakness as a strength. Paul knows that any weak man can do what he wants, say what he feels, and be undisciplined. Benjamin Franklin said, who is strong? He who can conquer his bad habits. Plato says, for a man to conquer himself is first and noblest of all victories. That's what Paul knows that the Romans, and we quite often don't understand, that in the kingdom of God, power is hidden in what our world views as weak, which is restriction. And this sounds nice. What do I mean by restrictions? I'll tell you. I mean, it, I mean boundaries. It's like you have boundaries in your life. Boundaries for things you're not going to do. You create habits to not do the things that you know are detrimental to you and to others. An amazing friend of ours named Mary Gotro in her book says this, there is true freedom and safety in establishing healthy boundaries in our lives. We will never ever have to deal with causing drunk, a drunk driving accident if we never take a sip of alcohol. We will never have to deal with the lifelong repercussions of an out-of-wedlock pregnancy if we do not sleep with people who are not our spouse. We will never have to deal with the devastating effects of pornography if we never look at it. We will never be buried under crushing debt if we never spend more than we have. These are just logical truths. Good, healthy boundaries yield good, healthy lives. Which means the antithesis is true, that an unstable and weak set of boundaries will produce and yield an unstable and weak life. This idea is contrary to everything our culture wants us to believe. You don't limit your freedom. Do what you want, when you want, how you feel it. Just live it up. And you can. But please, after tonight, don't fool yourself. Just because you're not laying in a pool of vomit doesn't mean you look any less weak. In God's kingdom, weakness and foolishness in our culture's eyes is actually power and wisdom. This is the hidden secret of power. Real power is not about having the ability to do something, but having the ability and choosing not to. The problem about trying to do this daily is that it is very hard to do it on our own. We can't just choose this every day. Eventually, we're going to burn out without any motive to do it. We can try, but we'll burn out quickly. So we need a different type of motive. We need a power that pushes us to choose this power of self-control. Does that make sense? Which leads us to our final point. What could motivate us to choose self-control in a world that views it as weak? A few weeks ago, I had a friend drive down. My friend Lucas drove down to see me for the weekend because I had a baby a few weeks before that. And he came for no other purpose than to hang out with me. He wasn't trying to make it a multiple, like, multiple hangout visit. He wanted me to know, I'm here for you, whatever you need. If you just need to relax, I'm here. I'm here. It cost me money to get here. It cost me a free weekend, but I'm here, right? He got nothing out of it, but cost to himself. And when I finally, I guess at the end of the weekend, realized the weight of that, what other response could I have but a desire to do that for him as well? What I'm saying is that when someone gives you more than you deserve, you get this elation, this fullness inside of you. When you know someone has done more for you than you deserve, you can't help but want to do more for someone else than, than what they deserve. You, you just can't help it. So how can we constantly daily practice this self-discipline of having the ability to do whatever we want, but only choosing what's good for us and others? When we realize that the king of the earth 
withheld for our highest good, we will forever and always be motivated to withhold for his highest good. There was no greater act. We're talking about self-control. There was no greater act of self-control than the cross. Jesus didn't have to walk tired, weak, mutilated through a town of people mocking him. At any time on the cross or off it before, he could have chose to make it all end. He's the king of the universe. He's the God of everything. He could have chosen it at a moment to stop. How do I know? Because we all do this nowadays. If, you're, if you work out, but you're not on scholarship to do it, when it gets tiring, you stop. You take a break. Because when it's hard or too hard at one point, you stop. You just choose to. Why not? You can. At any moment, Jesus could have stopped. He felt more pain, more hurt, more loneliness, more depression, and more defeat than anyone else when he was on that cross. Can you even comprehend and everything Jesus had the ability to do, if he would have just spoken one word, one word, and it would have been over, one word, and it could have stopped, one word, and every person who insulted him could be gone, and he would have been justified in doing it. Jesus had more strength than we ever will, but he chose to withhold it better than anyone ever has. Jesus let them do, on the, do to him on the cross what they did. And right before all this, Jesus had told Pilate, no one, no one takes my life from me. Don't get it wrong. No one's, doing, no one's making me do this. I lay my life down. I do this of my own accord. In another letter, Paul says, we love because he first loved us. Similarly, we can say this. We choose self-control for the good of others because Jesus first chose self-control for our good. We can forever have the ability to act however we want, but choose not to, because Jesus on the cross had the ability to come down, but for your sake, he chose not to. Alexander McLaren, one of our favorite old dead guys, says, power that is draped in weakness is power indeed. Jesus was the most powerful of all. Jesus, the most powerful of all was draped in weakness so that you and I, the weakest of all, could be draped in greatness. There's a question we have to ask ourselves about this passage in Romans as we finish. Because I'm pretty much done. But we need to answer this important question. What is Paul wanting when we read this passage? What is he wanting the Romans to realize? What is he wanting us to realize? That although we are a people of worldly power, we have freedom we're actually weaker than we think. We are too weak to make ourselves right with God. And we are too weak to change our own heart. This was offensive to the Romans then, and quite honestly, if we're honest, it's offensive to us now. So how can we be at peace and have relationship with God? When Paul says at the end of this verse, The gospel is the power of God for salvation. This is what he's saying, that the gospel is free and undeserved. Why? Because it had to be. We are so bad that the only way to get the gospel and be made right with God was for it to be given to us. Neither our morality or our religious rituals can get us out or can get us the gospel. Instead, the only thing that could save us from God was God himself. Jesus had to die for us. Why? The Son of Man had to, the Son of God had to die for us because we really are that wicked. None of us, if we're honest, 
can stand before God and say we've done enough to deserve his friendship. No amount of religious rituals makes us right with God. No amount of charity work makes us right with God. No amount of being a good person makes us right with God. He is perfect and beautiful and glorious, and we are not. We ultimately have no power to help ourselves be right with him. But Paul says that the gospel does. Jesus, the innocent king, died a wicked, a wicked man's death. So we, the wicked ones, could have the innocent man's relationship with God. When we actually realize this, when the gospel, this gospel, that gospel right there, that a man died on your behalf so you could have what only he deserved, when that is burned into your heart, it gives us, it is the power to change from the inside out. It gives us power and motivation to choose a life of self-control because a life of self-control was chosen for us. Does that make sense? So what 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 do I want from you tonight? Yes, I want you to go from here and live a life of self-control. Because I had to watch a life of weakness and lack of control on a Saturday night. And it was pretty sad to watch. But more than that, more than that, I hope that you see Jesus as he really is with the heart for you that he really has. And I hope you see how worthy he is of living and dying for. I mean, he saw and apparently thought that you were worth living and dying for. So that's all this is. I don't want you to do anything or want anything from you. I just want you to see the beauty of Jesus. Make sense? We'll pray, and then we will have fun at Shannon's house. Two minutes on time. And we'll, well, I can't go to Shannon's house. All right. Jesus, Lord, so much about your kingdom is contrary to this world. You are weak in the eyes of this world. But Jesus, may we not be ashamed of you. May we not be ashamed of you and the gospel because it is power. It is the only source of power. May we believe it and know it. Holy Spirit, may we feel our weakness tonight, more so than we ever have. But may we not be broken over it because you have given us power to change. We love you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, for I don't know how many, I guess I have to find out later. I'll see X amount of you at Summit, Olivia. I'm going to see you at Summit. You doing your vet stuff over there? All right. I love you guys. And at some point, I'm going to keep talking because there's not going to be music. And my least favorite part is an awkward, silent ending to Chi Alpha. So I'm going to rant about this front row of beautiful ladies and gentlemen. You are also beautiful. Where's Josh? Josh, you're beautiful too. Oh, I was going to tell everyone about my upsetness about long sleeve weather not being in, but... That's okay. Doesn't matter. All right. I think it's about time. If I'm, on, if I'm on track, I'm not looking. I love you guys. We love you guys. And I think we'll see you at Summit soon. Awkward pause avoided. <laughs>